0: Let's just get into it. I'm here with uh Stephen Kettner, is that how you say your last name? Kettner, yeah. Kettner. Uh it's
1: like Hitler with a K.
0: <laughs> so uh it's our first time really meeting. Well, we've met before, uh party probably yeah. a long time ago. But uh like I was trying to tell you I wanted to get with you and just talk about your philosophy, man. You've got to you you're always getting into it with people what i've seen on 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 social media you're always getting into it with people and i always like the way you you look at things from a logical perspective you're, right you you seem to be a lot more logical than the people who are getting on there bitching and arguing with you uh, <coughs> right so i i uh you're you're a musician kind of somewhat of a philosopher in a way
1: <laughs> yeah
0: uh but So uh, what are you doing? You're just making music, living life, doing what you love? Yeah,
1: well, it's like I went to college for philosophy for two years, and uh, I realized I would probably never make any money doing that unless I was like an attorney or something, which I didn't want to do. And then um, I played guitar, and I figured, well, I could do this, and this would be more fun. I wasn't really interested in money, just in enjoying life. Yeah. And then I was a security guard for, I don't know, five or six years. It was probably the most depressing period of my life. And uh, I spent a lot of time on social media. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that'll do it too. Yeah. <laughs> and then, I don't know, so I also got a lot of time to read. Like, I became a big advocate for a program called uh, LibriVox. And it's basically any book that's in public domain... Like, people around the world just read the books out loud, like, from their home, and um, post the recordings online for free, and so I'd spend... And since most of these books are in public domain, I could, you know, get, like, something like uh, Aristotle's Politics, I could get the text online for free, and then when I was walking around on patrol, you know, I'd be listening to it, and then when I was sitting down, I'd be reading it, because it's going to have headphones at the desk, and then you know basically like the self-taught type person like autodidact so then if it was like book 1 of Aristotle's politics I'd like YouTube book 1 of Aristotle's politics and yeah. watch watch like 10 lectures on it you know yeah. and watch like a debate on it you know and it's like so you go through that basically I modeled my free time after the curriculum I was already in in college that I never finished and I was like well cuz the only reason I wanted to study philosophy was for the information I didn't really care about a degree, yeah. so it's like, well, I can just do this for free, you know, use the free Wi-Fi at work, yeah. and, like, here's my education, so.
0: And, I mean, I, I do the same exact thing at work, I mean, I, I listen to podcasts all day while I'm working, mindlessly working, you know, the, right. the, the 9 to 5 bullshit that I'm stuck what in. You, what's your day gig? Uh, Locksmith. Mm. And, I mean, it's, it's great money, and it's easy work we're both easy. into security yeah it's it's super easy work but uh i don't feel very satisfied you know no. in my in my soul or in my spirit or in my heart whatever you want to call it i don't feel very satisfied and um you know i'm an artist as well when it comes to visual art uh i mean i i You're just, really good it yeah, seems I appreciate it and uh i mean i i do a little music you know dabble in some production and uh getting into video and just all kinds of things man i get i write uh poetry or or even just literature or even I'll, I'll write research papers just for the hell of it right and uh uh so like i said man i at work i'll sit there i listen to audio books all day right or, yeah or podcasts and it just while i'm mindlessly doing my bullshit job that it, i mean i'm i feel like i'm achieving something you know like right like gaining. justifies it yeah it's like, it well, kind of justifies it like this but, pays
1: the rent and then this yeah. pays my soul yeah you
0: know, like. i mean it's it's a little bit of something uh when i get home from work i you know i get right back to the art you know and it's hard because me personally when i wake up in the morning that's when i'm the most creative like yeah I, I, for me i'm the most creative when i wake up or during the day but with the shitty part about it is I gotta go to, the fucking, the slave mill and. Right. And, By the time you get home, yeah. you just like want to watch TV or go to sleep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've got no energy left to do the creation, but uh I find a way because lots of caffeine, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, I find a way uh, because it's that important to me, and and I hope that you know, like you, man, you're you're, like you said, you you got out of that nine-to-five bullshit, and now you're just doing what you, what
1: you want to do. What I enjoy, yeah, and, you know, that was, I mean, I wouldn't recommend this to people, but I got, it was really weird, like, I was getting really depressed at my job, like, consistently, like, over the course of years, and, like, I really didn't like the people I worked with, I liked the boss, he was the only person I got along with, but my coworkers, Mm -hmm. you know, security doesn't attract, like, the most, usually it's retired cops, which I'm not a big fan of, of yeah, exactly, And, um, uh, so in that environment, um, I was reading like this Yahoo article, I think it came out in like 2012 or 2013, like the top 10 most depressing jobs in America. And like number one was security officer. And I was like, man, that sucks. And I was like, yeah, it is pretty depressing. And, um, I was, you know, I had a bad relationship at that time with a girl and, um, I went home and at that time, uh... I had a bunch of guns because I was, it was, it was more a speculation because it was the 2012 election cycle. Mm-hmm. And so everybody thought Obama was going to push. Get rid like, of the guns. Yeah. So like the cost on ammunition yeah, and everything yeah. was going through the roof. So I bought like an AK-47 and an AR-15 and a bunch of rounds of ammunition. And I think like, I don't even know the rounds. It was 7.62 or 7.63 for an uh, AK, AK. AK? Yeah. And uh, they had gone up to like a dollar 20 a round. Sure. And I had bought them for like, I you don't know, 30 cents a round. So it was like, So I was just sitting on all that. So I go home one day, and I was like, man, I'm just going to kill myself. Like, you know, life is pointless. Nothing has any value. And um, I remember this quote from Woody Allen that 90% of life is just showing up. And I was like, hmm. And I was like, well, what do I really want to do? Like, before, like, we make this, like, you know, decision that you can never come back from. Like, let's really, like, consider, like, what are the possibilities? I'm not entertaining at this point because I'm not being creative. And I was like, well, I really like playing guitar. Like it's something I've spent a lot. I spent, you know, as a security guard, I had so much free time at night. I would just bring my guitar in and in practice, you know, I was like, yeah. this is something I really like.
0: And you even played guitar your whole life as a kid or? No, I
1: didn't start until I was 17. Okay. You know, yeah, I started at 17 because, uh, I got put on probation for a lot of reasons, but I was on probation for two years and I couldn't leave the house. And so the only thing I could do was shrooms and play guitar. Yeah. <laughs> so my friends used to like knock on my window, and I like crack it open and they'd throw me a bag of shrooms. Oh, yeah, that's a good um, combination. Just trip balls in my room and learn scales. So yeah, yeah. listen to Jimi Hendrix. But
0: <laughs> so you uh you were pretty depressed with your job and your relationship, and
1: yeah. So I I went um, this you know that quote from Woody Allen, and I was like, well, I was like, I don't have to get paid to do what I enjoy. I should just be doing what I enjoy, and like. If I'm gonna die, I might as well try being homeless first. Like there should be there should be like several de escalating wrongs down before you kill yourself. Like maybe I just will stop working and wait till I get evicted. Yeah. Maybe I'll sell all my shit. Maybe I'll go beg on the street for mo- like you should like work your way down and be like, Okay, now now here's the bottom. You know, yeah, like yeah. So I thought like, okay, on the way down, um I'll just go play music for free and not have no expectations. So I found like every single open mic there was a, there's a group that's a really great place. You can do poetry there. You can do, you know, any, anything you can do in an open mic. It's called Open Mic Dallas. It's a Facebook group and a guy named, uh, Mr. Troll. He keeps a running list of every single open mic in the city. So like there'll be a Tuesday and there'll be like 40 open mics in the Metroplex. Yeah. So I just made it my goal. I was like every day I get off work. I change my schedule from like, I was working, I think like, uh, what was it seven to. No, it was 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. was my schedule. I switched it from that to 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. so I could get out of work and have time left over. And I would go hit two or three open mics a night, you know, and I would, I didn't sing at the time, so I I've made myself. I was like, I'm just going to fuck it. I'm going to die anyways. I might as well. So I started singing, and so I, that way I could play. And then people would ask me to play with them, like, oh, you're really good at guitar. Will you play with me? And then within three months, I was getting, like, paid gigs, like people calling me for gigs, like, five nights out of the week, and so, you know, I was coming home at, you know, 2, 3 a.m., then having to get up at 6, go to work, and I was, like, all fucked up at work, and then going out and doing it again, Yeah. and so, eventually, one day, I think I was, like, two minutes, late to work, and I was walking in the front door, and my boss just keeps calling me, I'm like, fuck, I'm walking in, he's like, where the fuck are you, and I was like, man, fuck you, you know, and I just turned around and walked out, and, you know, I haven't worked for anybody since, and that was in 2013, so it's been... Almost 5 years I've been on this journey.
0: So that's crazy how you you kind of didn't you went to rock bottom and you were kind of just okay with it and you kind of just let go, you surrendered right to to whatever the fuck's going to happen to the forces of life and and you found yourself almost. Yeah, you and know? I
1: think I think some people like it's like people who don't know how to handle a really intense like trip, <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. He's like, dude, just let it take over. Cuz if you, you fight I mean? it,
0: that's when it's going to get Ten yeah. times worse.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because yeah, then like, and then like, yeah, and they're like, "Oh, I'm not good at fighting this," and like, you start like doubting, it and they, and you, then you like, dad shows up, and he's yeah. got a belt in your brain, and you're like, "Oh my
0: god!" And metaphorically, that kind of, <coughs> I mean, you could use that as a metaphor to being stuck in that nine to five lifestyle. And that could be the bad trip. Right. and People who you're getting depressed fighting it, right? And not satisfying your 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 wants and your needs and what what you feel like in your soul that you want to be doing instead you're, you're getting up every day and going to the slave mill and you're yeah, that you're fighting the trip you're getting depressed you're gonna lose that battle right, anyway yeah. so surrender let go and just
1: well it's like the thing is I don't hate you know like me I'm very pro-business and I'm pro-capitalism and all those things but like I'll define that quickly like I don't mean like the Marxist version of capitalism where the rich take from the poor and then you know fuck the poor and all yeah, that yeah. stuff and like they control all the resources and create monopolies and they yeah. have no access.
0: But capitalism in a way that it's good because it pushes I, us.
1: I mean it very simply like voluntary interaction. Like I think the root exchange between two or more individuals should be voluntarism. Like yeah. there should be no violence coercing us to interact with one another. Like I'm here voluntarily. You, you've you never met me really. You invited me yeah. to your house. You don't know if I'm a serial killer. I don't yeah, know yeah. if you're And it's like. But there's this operating mechanism in most human activity of trust. And we all, yeah. tru- we all kind of trust each other. And, like, we all kind of have, like, this...
0: People are inherently good. <clears throat> right.
1: Don't... Yeah, I think badness is the exception to the rule. I think the rule is... But, you know, the other thing is... I don't know who I heard say this recently. I think it was on a podcast, but... You know, we interact with so many people in the modern world in a day. Like if you consider how many people you're surrounded next to in traffic, you know, you're just a few feet away from those people. Thousands of people. Yeah, and it's you know, it probably in minimum hundred strangers a day, you're in some way in close proximity to, right? And it's like well, that's a hundred people a day multi you know, three hundred and sixty five days three hundred and sixty five thousand people or whatever, or three thousand six or whatever it is. It's a lot of strangers yeah. every day. Yeah. And if ten percent of those people are assholes well, that's one asshole or ten assholes a day, you know, whatever. Yeah. So it's like, that's a lot of bad that you can experience in one day. And if you have, like, a series of unfortunate events where you keep running into those people, you can get a very bleak perspective on reality. Yeah, and that's not the whole picture.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the I I think the number of good people, are def, it definitely outweighs that one or ten assholes you're going to come across in life. Right. Uh, yeah I mean it's kind of and the
1: 10 assholes are always louder too yeah for sure they're usually extroverts they're gonna drown out right
0: they're gonna drown out all the good people who are mostly introvert so um turn out this that this (laughs) year yeah um yeah I uh I mean that's kinda that kinda makes me think of my idea of homelessness like the the homelessness that's going on in our nation and the uh generational poverty and how people are being kids are being raised in hopeless areas right in situations where everybody around them have already has already given up has already lost hope so they're they're surrounded by hopelessness and that energy attaches itself to you so these kids grow up thinking that that's all that, that that's all there is in this in this life my father was poor and his father was poor. Right. Uh, and his father before that was a slave, you yeah. know, or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and so that this is all there is for you know, for me. And uh that's a that's a major problem. I think that's one of our top five issues that we need to focus on in this country.
1: <sighs> yeah. Well it's like it gets it's extremely complex, right? Because you would have to go to like
0: there's so many facets. There's so right. many areas of because why some, it is this way. Some people
1: some people like to give up on like volition, which is like free will. That like people do have the ability to make decisions. Yes. And and even if the core of your being is you can decide to focus or you can like zone out, right? Like I think like that's really like what I've deduced it to. The basic Free choice you have because free choice doesn't mean you can like turn yourself invisible and two plus two plus seven if yeah. you wanted to. That's not what free will means. Yeah. Free will means all you within the realm of possible outcomes you can make a decision, right? Yeah. And I think they all really reduce to like we were talking a little bit about a little bit outside about there's a we are products of you know millions of years of evolution, yes. right? So. We came out, like, the same needs your dog has. Like, those, like, very basic biological needs for, like, food, shelter, comfort, a sense of safety, a sense of, like, tribal, like, pack mentality. Yeah. We have all those basic needs, too. And those served, like, our species really well before, like, whatever happened to the front of our brains happened. Like, the neocortex yeah. started to revolution. Started yeah. we started ingesting M- mushrooms. <laughs> mushrooms, yeah. Maybe we did. Yeah. 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 Who knows? And fish, too. They were eating hell of fish at that point, too. Yeah, or too.
0: Even, even the fact that we created fire and we were able to start cooking our food. And, and that uh, started. now we're getting new cal- calories, yeah. dense
1: information, like, into yeah. our uh, bloodstreams.
0: And that helped our brain evolve. Yeah.
1: So, you're to Yeah, so, when whenever that thing happened, it's like, now there was fundamentally a shift. You had this ability, like, the truly uniquely human thing is not feelings. Like, everybody's like, oh, it's not human enough. I'm like, oh my gosh, she's not animal enough. Like when I'm in the yeah. studio, are like, "Gotta put more like soul into it." And I would yeah. say, like, "Put more animal into it," yeah. you know, because. But the uniquely human thing is like this calculator thing, and it's like it's this ability that a dog doesn't have. Because a dog feels every emotion you feel, probably yeah. to some degree, even more intensely yeah. than you do, because he doesn't have a way to analyze them. Yeah. So it's just all instinct and feeling. Like a human can look at information, and categorize it. It's like I was telling my girlfriend yesterday, like. She's obsessed with like games that are basically like like I like video games that are like stories and all yeah. stripped out. She likes very simple like puzzles. Yeah. Like little pieces so and like an solitaire. Guy. Yeah. yeah. I like and I was like you're just exercising like the human ability to sort things by like by like things. So I can say like uh all dogs so you're saying that's all not dogs necessarily are
0: necessarily problem solving.
1: It is problem solving, that's what problem solving really is. It's the law of identity, which is a thing cannot be itself and it's opposite at the same time. Right? So you could take, like, a dog is an animal, Um, let's say this, a dog is a mammal, all mammals are animals, Mm -hmm. therefore all dogs are animals, right? I'm just taking the identity, well, dogs are part of this category called mammal, mammals are part of this larger category called animal, therefore all dogs are this, right? And that's really what problem solving is. You take the identity of objects, whether it's your sensory experience, whether it's ideas in your head, right? Like, that's what a computer game really is. Like, these are just electrons, you know? You can take some system of symbols, whether they represent something that's real, you know, whatever that means, like, with your sensory data, or they represent an idea, or whatever it is, and you can arrange it into an order that does not contradict itself.
0: So, um... We're, you're talking about free will, and you're getting into... So the free, the free will
1: aspect is that is, so suddenly we have this ability, but it's not automatic. Like, being hungry is automatic, breathing is automatic, being tired is automatic, like, sneezing is automatic. You can't control these things, they just happen automatically. Um, you do have free will over whether or not you choose to use logic, or you choose to ignore logic. Yeah. And so you can, like, something bad happens to you. You can stop. Right? Like, this is, it's not that I'm opposed to prayer, but I don't like when really bad things happen, people say, like, let's pray, pray about, about it. it. It's yeah. like...
0: like pray, people have been praying for thousands of years and it hasn't touched. That's shit. fucking like, thing, right? Yeah. So, it's
1: like, now, granted, focusing your mind, like, in a meditative way, like, the, that's all great, but, like, just the act of, like, I'm just going to speak some shit into existence is like, well, let's just gibberish. It's yeah. like, a logical person will do, like, this is a metaphor I've used a lot. Like, say somebody wants to fly, Right? An irrational person will eat a bunch of mushrooms and sit on a carpet and
0: think they're fucking flying.
1: A logical person will go study birds and be like, well, they fucking do fly. How do they work? And they'll study their wings. If they have cameras or they'll draw pictures, you know, and they'll fucking invent an airplane. You know, the Wright brothers studied birds. That's actually what they were studying was birds and photographs of birds. And that's how they came up with like the wings and like the propulsion and everything. So it's like, and they fucking actually fly. And it's like. And this guy's like, no, I'm actually flying. I was like, dude, you're just fucking high. (laughs) And not, you know, I love psychedelics, but it's like, and I'm all about that because I think it like hits a reset on your unconscious and deletes all the bullshit. But, but not to like achieve material outcomes. Like, I'm not going to say like, I'm going to cure AIDS by like jerking off to a picture of Shiva and eating shrooms, you know, I'm going to cure AIDS by going studying, you know, molecular biology and like how viruses work, you know, that's how you're going to fucking cure AIDS. Well, I mean, I
0: think, I think uh, psychedelics help. I think they can help us open up or become more innovative. It can it it can produce ideas like far out ideas that that some might might not have thought of, like when Steve Jobs was doing acid, right? That that,
1: or the guy thought of DNA. Like I'm not I'm not discounting that. I think with psychedelics, dude, you get into a pattern like nine to five, and then I'm gonna go do this, and then I'm gonna go do this, da, da da da, and then like and you just become latched onto these rituals. That don't represent who you really are, right? Yeah. And then you get all this depression and anxiety and all these things build up in your unconscious. The first thing psychedelics do to me is all that depression and anxiety comes to the front of my consciousness. Mm-hmm. And I instantly start analyzing that. I'm like, holy shit, I feel weird. I don't, where am I? What's going on? And that's and, what you do in, in therapy. Exactly. Yeah. You can talk this shit out or yeah. like, you can like use a chemical and pull it out.
0: Yeah. And the
1: last thing it does and the most important thing it does to me, it breaks your patterns down like all your patterns just disappear you don't know what day it is you don't care what day it is if you didn't know what day it is it would piss you off because you're freaking out and it's like you don't care about nine to five job you're like oh my god yeah, like and then there's always this sense so of point oh once your patterns finally break down and some people don't get there and they just get yeah. locked in the bad trip like once you break through that you get to this point where it's like it's it's like a oneness type thing and you're like, you see, like, the interconnectedness of everything. Yeah.
0: And yeah. You, and then you're like, this job is bullshit. I'm not being fulfilled. Right. Like, and I've had that. I've uh, had that Really, I'm sure if somebody
1: looked at my brain right before I thought I was going to commit suicide, there was DMT all in it. You oh, know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so it's like, that's why I was like, wait a second. Yeah. Let's enjoy this high for a yeah, moment. Yeah, because, you know? I
0: mean, from the studies, like Rick Strassman's studies on uh, DMT and the pineal gland and death, the death experience, uh... You know, there's a lot of the, the ideas that when we're born, or when we die, or in highly traumatic situations, the pineal gland releases an abundance of DMT. That's why, like, people see
1: their life flash before yeah. their eyes right before they is it like a near-death experience. And it can
0: have that that eye-opening realization for you. And uh, even even in the dream state, man, I'm I'm convinced that the that the pineal gland for for certain people might put out more DMT in someone's dream state than someone else's like me I think that I I get a high amount of DMT because like even my art a lot of it comes from the dream state where these are real vivid places that I'm experiencing right like this this one here I I experienced that I was there standing on the cliff looking out over this landscape of just this this strange thing that I was seeing People walking down a bridge into the mouth of a, a, a pharaoh sarcophagus, like, right. and it was so real, and uh, you I got mean, the ump
1: too, yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: and I feel like. I feel like I might get more DMT in my dream state than, than other people do because I also battle with sleep paralysis. I battle with like... Oh, really? No yeah, shit. Sure. Yeah, and yeah, I go yeah. into REM sleep. really. It's cool you know
1: about it and you don't think aliens are ducking you and fucking you in the ass. <laughs>
0: no, I mean, I don't know what the fuck it is, honestly. I mean, I think it's... I think it might... I think it could be a glimpse into another part of reality that we, that we can't perceive. That from our... Our limited senses. Our senses are so limited to, what is it, like one millionth or one trillionth of, of reality? We can't perceive well, things that, like, yeah, like well, there's a lot of things that we can't perceive that right. I think psychedelics might, I can't say 100%, I'm not that fucking smart, I haven't done all the research, I can't make an absolute statement, but I feel like psychedelics might give us a glimpse to that the, the other that we can't see there's so much more I, and out I don't,
1: there I don't have any problem with like those kind of like sayings of things because I just know that when I do psychedelics regularly like if I do it every day like I was in high school I do not have positive experiences afterwards because I'm doing serious brain damage if I do it like once a year yeah. twice a year like I plan it out and I make sure like I'm in the right space
0: yeah.
1: I always feel like a better person yeah. like I always feel like I always feel like I have more insight into other people, more insight into reality, more insight into myself. I always feel like I'm more sensitive. I feel like I'm kinder. Yeah. I, I feel like I think better.
0: I, uh, I have this idea that I think every adult should have one psychedelic experience a year. Like, one profound experience. For sure, yeah. And I think the winter's a, a great reset. time to do it, man. Yeah. I think
1: that, like, right now is a wonderful time to, like, be on a psychedelic, especially...
0: Well, if everybody was doing it, it would be a lot better, because you get out, right now it's the holiday season, everybody's out being crazy, fucking... Well, private. that, yeah, no, 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 and I but, don't... So if people were doing I don't mean for that reason, yeah, yeah. But if yeah. people were doing psychedelics at this time, you wouldn't have all that crazy bullshit, people out there... Well, I assos. I think,
1: I think the reason we have all this crazy bullshit, I think that like the Christmas holiday, like Yule, right, that mm-hmm. the Nordic celebrated. Yeah. that's where the Christmas tree comes yeah, from, yeah. that's where Santa comes from... Yeah. Well, there's a. Do you know about the Amanita muscaria mushroom? Yeah, yeah. Right. So there's the Amanita muscaria is this red toadstool like you yeah. see on Super Mario? The red products. with the, the red. white dots. Just yeah. like Santa Claus. Like Santa suit. Claus or like the Pope suit too, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> like look at the Pope. Yeah, He's a yeah. fucking red mushroom. Yeah. But um, the entire holiday, you know, because of the cold, you're inside a lot. There's no television. Um, you're with your family a lot, and know it's like, what are you gonna do to entertain yourself? And it's like, also, how are you going? You have no community at this point. You're like in your yurt you know, and you're standing at eight feet of snow and you can't really go out and you got a little bit of dried meat and stuff that you're eating. And it's like, this is fucking lame. And it's like, and you can't get that tribal thing you need from other people. All these, you know, and so it's like, it becomes like a very, uh, monastic, like solitary, like it's the winter. I'm alone. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to do some soul searching. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And then yeah. like, then the spring comes and everybody comes out with all their new discoveries. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, this guy's like, dude, I fucking invented the fucking wheel. Yeah. And this guy's like, dude, I fucking cured AIDS. Yeah. On mushrooms. I never <laughs> thought about it.
0: Like there being seasons for, but yeah, because the springtime, I mean, it kind of symbolizes uh, rebirth. Rebirth. And, well, you're coming uh, out of this. Renewal.
1: And it's like a cocoon. You're in there, your, like you're hibernating in yeah. your like a bear and you come out like,
0: yeah. Dude, I never thought about it like that. That's that's pretty. Well, that's pretty what it was. I mean, it was.
1: Yeah. What do you got? Like, and I don't think they planned it out like that. I so just think it was fucking cold.
0: Let me. uh... You know about the Ulyssinian uh, mysteries? No, uh, tell me a little. The uh, the Greeks would come to. They would have like a like a pilgr- pilgrimage to uh Ulysses, where uh they would intake what they call. So Ulysses
1: like Odysseus, right? Like that's the Roman name.
0: I'm not 100% sure. Okay, yeah. yeah. But they would would show up here, you know, all the Greeks from all over, they would come for this one celebration, and they would ingest uh, what they called the Kaikion, which was what they're thinking is a psychedelic substance. Uh, Do they go to to like
1: a Greek isle? They probably go to like Ithaca?
0: Um, not 100% sure. Well yeah, I right mean, right. I'm at,
1: cause there's tons of like islands that just specialize, yeah. in like there might be like Ithaca where Odysseus lives, and like well, people come and trip balls. Well, it, it, well, cause I wanna do it now.
0: It even, uh, it even, uh, it's thought that even Socrates and Plato and Aristotle were, they were going to these types of celebrations and having these eye-opening experiences. A lot of the accounts of what happened back then in that time and in this time of celebration people had a lot of innovative ideas and you know philosophy was 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 booming and uh, right. and they think that uh you know they've they've got some like kind of sediment that they've done research on that this brew that they would ingest uh might have had a ergot you know oh ergot like no like, shit like yeah yeah from barley from barley like a fungus that grows on barley lsd and uh yeah lsd was made from a from a ergot right uh, and so they they really believed that these people were going and tripping balls and having new discoveries um and i'm i'm, I'm wondering as i brought it up because we were talking about doing psychedelics have you ever winter. done
1: shrooms and looked at this dog i bet it's trippy as shit
0: <laughs> um <laughs> yes i have yeah um but uh a little snow fox um be I was good, wondering if that uh if that um when they would do that celebration if that was in the winter time, just because we were talking about that because probably a
1: solstice of some kind, you know like yeah. it could have been the spring equinox and what win- because you know they like I believe that Christ is you know the amalgamation of multiple you know uh yeah. um ideas you know uh <laughs> yeah. Um shamanistic practices, yeah, right? Yeah. And so it's all so like one of the practices of like the cult of Bacchus, Dionysus. Yeah. Um the god of wine and yeah. good times, but he's yeah. also the god of inebriation. We just say wine because That's we're crazy. Westerners. But no, any any psychic any anything you can adjust in your body to change your consciousness, he was the god of He right? was
0: just like the god of hedonism in a way. Like, he yeah, was just but very the hedonistic.
1: Is, yeah, and so what they would do is every year they would elect the king... Of the of the bacai right, and Bacchae, this is where vo- vampires come from, or bacai right. This is where we get the myth of vampires. So the king could do anything he wanted to for a whole year among the bacai. He could fuck any of the girls. He could, you know, do any anything he wanted to, own anything he wanted to, do sleep where he wanted to, take somebody's stuff, beat somebody up, and there were no consequences for a whole year. But in the spring, right around the time we celebrate Easter and like the thing going on with Ashtar and the Nordics, they would kill him eat his body and drink his blood to gain his power, you know? Like Christ. Like Christ, yeah. <laughs> yeah. In, in the spring around Easter, you know, we huh. drink his blood and eat his body. Yeah. And so, uh, and like, and it was a cult of inebriation. So it's it's all, you know, there's also, there's one version of the Dionysus story where he comes to the earth and his followers are like so sinful, Zeus has got to kill them. And then uh, Zeus sells him in the side of his leg for three days and he pops yeah. out. And he's a, he's a demigod at that point. Yeah. He's only half God, half man. Yeah. And he becomes the full god after he's been in Zeus's side for three days, and he pops out. and Now he's a full god, right? Yeah. yeah. And so the you know the three days in the tomb and all that. So, yeah. but you know you go from like faith to faith, and you find like these parallels. But I think it's more like the fact that like the unk, or like a uh, pharaoh sarcophagus or the cross or like a uh, pentagram or, you know, what what's the Jewish star there, uh, uh, the Star of David, whatever it's called. Uh, How many says it? One, two, three, four, five, six. This hexagram, this yeah, you know, yeah, whatever yeah. it is. Yeah. Um, I think these are like archetypal things, and what they really are is, I think they're that logical center in our brain, because for example, straight lines don't exist in reality. Like everything in the universe is curved. There's no straight lines between points in reality because the universe itself is curved. So There's no, so, right, there's no right angles. So
0: the earth is round is what you're telling me. Yeah, <laughs>
1: fortunately. So uh, there's no right angles in reality, right? There's no right angles. There's no straight lines. There's no tri- triangles. There's no um, squares. Now, crystals will form in quasi-perfect shapes, but they're only quasi-perfect. You can't even make a perfect right angle. So, this is uh, one of the dialogues of Plato. It might be, God, what is it? I'm gonna to lie to you. I don't know, it might be the Phaedo. I don't know, but one of the, di- no, because that's one of the later dialogues. One of the dialogues of Socrates, they say, where does knowledge come from? And I don't really believe this, but there's something to this. There's like a fundamental archetype in our unconscious that we all share if our if we don't have a mental disability and we're adults, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe children have it even more. I don't know. But um, they say, where does, like, mathematics come from, Socrates? like, where, And he says, um, he's like, so he, one of the people there has a slave who doesn't speak Greek. And he's like, well, bring your slave over here and translate for him. He's like, and so he draws a square on the ground. And he says... He draws a two on one side and a two on the other side. He's like, ask your slave who's never been taught math of any kind. If this side is this length and this side is this length, what the length of the other two sides are. And he says, they're the same. He's like, okay, right. Then he takes the square and he divides it on the diagonal, right? And he makes a right triangle, right? And so you know, he says, so how long is the hypotenuse of this triangle, the the long side of the triangle? And he's like, it's the same. And he's like, no, look at it. And he's like, well, no, it's not the same. It's a little bit longer. He's like, how much longer? And so the guy sits there and reasons. And the slave, who's never been taught anything about mathematics, figures out Pythagorean theorem. A squared plus B squared equals C squared on his own. And he's like, who taught him this? And they're like, well, you directed him in the direction. He's like, yeah, but what if reality, like what if I needed to put an acoustic panel right here, you know, on your corner? Reality will dictate... If you're brought into that circumstance, your brain—if you—if you, if you choose—if you choose to use logic, your brain will fucking figure it out. Yeah. Bring like I've always felt that, like
0: bringing back to free will and uh.
1: Right. Like you—you you can choose to focus on it, and your brain will figure that shit out. So I think
0: if we go says, back I mean, to generational poverty and what it takes to overcome that, I mean, of course we have free will and we have choice, but when—when when you're in this hopelessness situation. Um, it's hard to, I mean, of course we have the choice. Like, I grew up under the poverty line. Right. I, I, uh, I've lived in shelters and, and I grew up that way, but I made the conscious decision because I knew that I had free will. I have choice. I know that the only way out of this is if I choose to, if I decide to get off my ass and bust my ass in this capitalistic world, I have the opportunity to make something of myself, it just comes right. down to whether or not I'm going to choose to do it or not. But when you're surrounded by hopelessness, mm-hmm. right, it is very, 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 very hard, and the system's kind of set up in a way to that you're going to fail.
1: Well, yeah, and it, so that going back to what we're saying, it's the the more complex issue. So free will, right? You have as long as you have a fully functioning brain, you have some level of free will, and if we reduce free will to the ability to use logic or not, right? So almost every sane person has that ability. I would say ninety five percent of us have that ability. Now, how many people actually use that ability? Well, I would say it's probably less than ten percent. Really, you know. Now, everybody uses it momentarily. You know what I mean? Like it's like you need to like use a little bit of logic to know when the light is green or red. Yeah, that's the law of identity. Red is not green. Yeah, yeah. look at that. But it's like you have to use a little bit of that all the time. But to really get into it and like figure like you know the difference between your dog and me if your dog sees a rock fall off the side of like a building. Your dog's probably smart enough to figure out, well, there's something prior to the rock that caused it to fall. But that's as far as the dog will fucking go, go, because it's all it needs to know. There's something over there. A human can watch an object fall and discover the motion of every object in the entire universe. You can discover how planets move, how stars move, just by watching an apple fall, like in the case of Isaac Newton. It's like he watches one event, something falling, and he understands why everything in the universe moves. You know, because a human can keep going and deducing, yeah. well what does that mean? Well what does that mean? What is that comprised of? What is the identity of those objects? What category in my mind does those because go into makes sense? We're looking for a reason. And you dogs just keep going. I
0: don't think this, dog, is, dogs aren't looking for reason. We we Even have that s- inherent to ability to uh well we have that for some reason we have that need and that drive to 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 find reason or what is the purpose and, and we create gods and we do all that. Right. Um but, uh. Well, I think, you know, a lot of
1: early religions, like, were cults, right? And, um, you can go.
0: Or shamanistic tribes and stuff, like.
1: Yeah, that. and then family, you know, it's a lot to get into. We probably we should meet again and do this again. But, but, let's say, okay, so you have free will, then you're going down the line, and it's like, but you have all these obstacles. Like, let's say, um, let's say you wanted to be a NASCAR driver, but you were born blind. Yeah. Well, that's off your list. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, (laughs) Or maybe it's not. Maybe you'll be the dude who invents like an artificial eye and you can fucking, you know, maybe you don't get there but like you set up the conditions for a person later to get there. Yeah. But most likely you'll never be a great NASCAR racer. Let's say you want to be a supermodel and you were born with some horrible face deformation, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, but your parents are the Kardashians and you can afford plastic surgery. Oh, maybe, yeah.
1: yeah. So there's another opportunity, right? So it's... So what you run into is, it's like, I would say, like, in our society, like, this took me a long time to get to, like, with white privilege, like, I just didn't get it for a long time, it's like, but I'm, I'm poorer than most of these people around me, you know what I mean? Like, in theory, like, talking to you, my life, to some degree, might seem more robust than yours, because I don't have a boss, and I'm doing whatever the fuck I want to, but if you came and saw, like, I got these shoes, well, I'll tell you a story about these shoes real quick, um... I was wearing the same pair of sneakers every day since ninth grade mm-hmm. until two weeks ago. Really? I'm 29. So I, I got Shit. those 15 years ago. A, a pair of diesel shoes my parents got me. I've been wearing them every single day. I still have them, but finally the bottoms tore up. And um, I got these shoes. These don't even fit. These are like an eight and a half, and I'm really an 11. Like my toes at the very end. Yeah. Uh, a ex-girlfriend, when I was 21 on my 21st birthday, her dad had gone to Mexico, and these are like fake pumas. Like they're knockoff yeah. pumas. yeah. And I, they didn't fit, so I just put them in a trash bag. And so I was like, "Man, I don't have any shoes. I don't want to buy shoes. That's an expense." It's so like, I'm looking through a trash bag and I find these. I'm like, "Sweet!" And So I just don't lace them up, you know? yeah, yeah. And it's like, I, you know, so I'm, materially, I'm much poorer than a lot of people around me. So I totally get that. It's like, yeah, it's you know, we could we could do another thing on economics. I, I try to know a little bit about economics, like in you know fractional reserve banking and that whole yeah, yeah. you know the. Well, I mean, we can get into fiat man, system. If, if,
0: uh, if we gotta do a part two later, we can do a part two later. But I mean, yeah, whatever, whatever comes to mind, man, just let it out. That's why. That's why I wanted to talk to you because you have a lot of interesting ideas. A lot of, and you, you use so much fucking logic. Uh, in in the uh in the economy we're in, I mean, do you see? Is there any hope that you have, or do you see any kind of hope for the? You know, I'm
1: not libertarian anymore. I've given up on that, um, especially recently because of, you know, like uh. Yeah, what was the guy's name the crying Nazi uh, Cantwell mm-hmm. Cantwell he's actually friends with a lot of people I know yeah. he used to be super libertarian and now he's like a white supremacist and it's like you know my best friends like my closest friends are uh, Hasidic rabbis you should have them over man we can talk about Kabbalah sometimes it's really interesting stuff uh, yeah. but, and like, I'm, what's ju- Jewish I'm Jewish and... by blood oh you really yeah, on your mom's mom side or your dad's side mom's side then you're Jewish yeah. alright well you know muzzle tov <laughs> you wanna to go to Chabad
0: with me uh, what is Chabad? that
1: Chabad oh man well, I'll, we'll go there in a second. So, <laughs> the libertarians, um, there was a big problem. Like, Murray Rothbard, the guy who founded the Libertarian Party, was Jewish, right? Ayn Rand's Jewish, Ludwig von Mises is Jewish, like, Carl uh, Minger is Jewish, like, all the great philosophers of libertarianism are all Jewish, yeah. right? But then somehow we've become a magnet for members of the Ku Klux Klan, Ku Klux Klan I can't even say that. KUG, I think I've never said it out loud KKK. before. <laughs> I've, I've, written, I've written KKK. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, member, members of the KKK um, and white supremacists and all those kind of fuckers have somehow been drawn into the Libertarian kind Party. Kind
0: hijacked it in a way. Yeah,
1: well, I was like, how did this happen? Because when I joined the party, most of the people I ran into in the party were communists anarcho communist
0: or marxist. Yeah,
1: and I was like, "What are you guys being doing here supporting Free markets?" Like, "We're not. You, this is like better than what we have." And I'm like, well, "That's interesting." So, only recently has this all right thing taken over again, but I realized in the 90s, like Timothy McVeigh and all his buddies, they were libertarians, you know? Not necessarily like in the party, but like they can they identified with libertarian yeah, yeah. people. Murray Rothbard had this idea of the big tent, like anybody who doesn't like the government, we should just invite in to like as a political movement to like create a third party and all this stuff and so he endorsed David Duke you know the former Grand Wizard of the KKK for president in the 90s so once he did that he opened Pandora's box for all the shit that's happening like
0: happened. ideology you know, and all like shitty
1: bullshit, yeah you know? horrible so I don't want to have to explain to somebody well I'm libertarian well wait didn't like the founder of your party endorse the Grand Wizard of the KKK for president and I don't want to have to have that discussion yeah, with people yeah, yeah. so where I've really come to now is Economically, this system is so incredibly fucked. We are so far into the fiat currency wormhole. Like, there's no going back out, right? Yeah. You might as well just go all the way in. So I'm of the idea, let's have, let's end all the wars and all that shit, right? And cut, cut down corporate welfare and let's have social medicine for everybody. Let's have free college education. Let's have free, and literally, I don't care, yeah. free ponies because the sooner we spend ourselves into hyperinflation, the faster this whole thing has to reset. Yeah. And it's like, and if we just keep nickel and diming it and like using our military to maintain our superiority, we'll never get there and we're just pissing people off and our middle class is suffering. And
0: eventually someone's going to come and conquer us. I mean, I feel like... Oh, yeah. I mean,
1: that's... Once you get hyperinflation and, then you know, China, you know... China. um, You you become property. Everybody. Yeah. Well, uh, we already are, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so I feel like, yeah, if we... I feel like we might as well fucking change it. We might as well have a drastic change... And see what the fuck happens. I don't think so.
1: I think see this is this is what's revolutionary. What I'm saying. I think we should take the Keynesian model. Like there's this new version of Keynesian called modern monetary theory. Like for example, right? Like, do you have a piece of trash? Like here, this. Give me a thousand dollars or work for me for three weeks for this for this, (laughs) for this piece of paper towel. Would you do it? (laughs) What if I put armed guards around your house and like somebody at your front door with a machine gun and they said you can never leave your house again unless you have this? Now would you do it? Yeah. Yeah, of course you would. So suddenly this paper towel is imbued with all this power. So modern monetary theory is this version, is this extreme version of Keynesianism. Keynesian, Keynes, the basic version is you can spend yourself into success. Right? Into, into prosperity. So because the government has the monopoly on the currency. Right? You know, all sovereign debts have to pay in this currency. Most economic transactions have to happen in the US dollar, right? Yeah. To be legal at least. Uh every it will always have a value. Until it does not right? And so is if that's necessarily the case, then you could spend way more money and just create it out of thin air and then All that's important is where are you spending it? Right now we're spending it on corporations and the military. It's like, well, let's just spend it on the middle class. Like, you know, and in the long term, it's a horrible fucking idea. That's like if you and me were married and we lived in, you know, somewhere, place where that was not shunned. We didn't live in Texas. Yeah, so we're in Southern California. And I'm like, hey, I'm not going to work anymore. You don't work anymore either. I'm just going to max out credit cards. And once we're done maxing out the credit cards, I'm just going to rob banks. So you just keep spinning. In fact, increase our spending. Like, let's take vacations. Let's take out a loan for another house. Like da, da. And you're like, dude, that's fucking nuts. Why are we going to do that? Like, eventually you're going to get caught. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, but until we get caught, why does it fucking matter?
0: Yeah.
1: And so that's kind of the idea of modern monetary theory. Like, until we have hyperinflation, we might as well be investing it where we want it.
0: Yeah. Well, and for me... I believe the money should be going towards education, healthcare, because I don't know. I'm I'm not very much of like a, a nihilist or anything. I I I try to have hope, man, and I I don't think that we'll ever reach a utopia. But right. I think that if we're investing in education and healthcare for for young people, if we're for giving them the opportunity to study whatever the fuck they're passionate about, right, like. If school wasn't so fucking expensive, I'd be in school. Like, I would, yeah, see, I would had, be in has, every class. But it has like,
1: nothing to do with education. I talk to guys that have master's degrees in economics. I talk to guys that have PhDs in philosophy. And they're like, wow, you know way more about this than I do.
0: Yeah.
1: And I didn't pay anything for it. So I think that college is a scam. It's like a guild system. I, I mean, I, You know I the guild do, system in the dark ages? I do 100%. You needed a license in order to join the guild, and then you yeah, had yeah. to... Ju- that's all a college is, it's a yeah. guild. And yeah. you have so to like have, this, I have degree, this piece of paper. Therefore and I'm and allowed to work here. Yeah. That's all it is. Like But that's like, bullshit. And that's right now, the problem in America, like I had this discussion with like I'm all for funding free education. Fuck it, because let's just spend ourselves into like destruction and yeah. start over. Like let's accelerate the process. Um but education's not the it's not lack of education. We're our generation is the singularly most educated generation in all of human history combined. Like the average like if we just take you well, and because we compare of our you, access to information. Because of our access to information and because of our education system. Like the thing is, no, you look at that fifth grade test from like nineteen twenty two and they were doing calculus. It's like, yeah, but ask your grandma to do some calculus. Yeah. You didn't fucking learn that shit. Yeah, yeah. She memorized it for a test just like you did. Yeah, so yeah. that's all nonsense. We have more college graduates now than ever in history. And we have a collapsing job market, especially for service sector, like e- even high skills like lawyers, uh, uh, doctors, uh, management stuff, accountants. It is so fucking bloated, nobody can get a job, right? The thing we're missing in our economy is not, and people are like, oh, like guys like Steve Jobs and uh, Bill Gates, and we're missing engineers. No, we're not, there's shit tons of fucking engineers. And you only need one or two great engineers in your whole society. Everybody else just needs to make the shit. What we don't have is labor. That's why we have illegal immigrants that are undocumented migrants. I don't want to use the wrong term. But that's why we have that because you have a robust society that is so egalitarian and everybody's so fucking educated. We're all in debt, fine, but ev- everybody's so educated. Nobody wants to do that shit. Nobody wants to be a locksmith. Yeah. You know, nobody wants to be a security guard. Yeah. Nobody wants to pick berries. Nobody wants to like mow lawns. Nobody wants to build houses like the actual, but we'll design a house. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. We'll tell other but people what to do. They don't want to do be, the don't be the guy with the hammer yeah. and the nails. So that's what's missing in our economy is not intelligence. We have too much fucking intelligence. Like, we're we're all method and no action. Like, everybody here has all these great ideas and nobody's fucking doing shit. And it's like, what we need in our society is less college education. We need people to, like, come, like, the whole public education system, right? It's invented by labor unions. Like, we had some basic level of education, but I could take all the information I learned in high school and I could have learned it in two years when I was about 12 years old, right? Yeah. And that could have been the extent of my public education. I could have immediately gone out and been an apprentice to somebody. And within five years, I could have saved that money because I'm living at home with my parents. I don't have any bills. I could have contributed to my household, saved the money, and then in five or six years, start my own business. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then in another generation, I own a corporation, or I'm the head of a corporation, and my kids are all fucking filthy rich. And it's like that was the American dream, and that's what happened. The labor unions came in. So like when you were 12 years old, your mom might send you to work with a plumber, right? And you would go there and be his apprentice, and all you do is hand him wrenches and shit, you know. And you learn, you learn all about wrenches. Now you have a new skill. You learn about showing up to work on time. Da da da. You might have to pay taxes now, you know. You learn all these basic skills at a very young age. You're saving your money. By the time you're 17, you're an independent contractor. You have your own truck that you bought, debt-free, fucking badass 1950s truck. You know what I mean? And you're a fucking plumber. The labor unions did not like that shit. They did not want to compete with child labor. So they, they used government workhouses. They didn't go to like private individuals who were like employing children. They went to government workhouses where there were orphans. And it started, the child labor law started in England. They had these poor houses that the government ran where they took orphans and they just treated them like fucking shit. And I'm not saying everything was great in the Industrial Revolution in America either, but there's a reason so many people were leaving Europe to come to America. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh my God, let's leave Europe and die in America like in a fucking coal mine. Yeah. It's like people were doing anything they could to get to America in the 1800s. Why? Because there were these opportunities. Yeah. So you get here, you have these opportunities as a child. Now you have economic independence, right? You have a lot of leisure time now. You can read fucking books, you can self-educate, you can do all these things. Like most of the founding fathers, like Benjamin Franklin never went to college. Yeah. Uh, one thing I'll say and I'll, I'll stop ranting, uh, there's a great book that made me start seeing the world this way called Self-Made Men. It's by Benjamin Franklin. He was, a, uh, I think he was the sh- son of a cobbler, like a shoe repairman in, uh, in Massachusetts. And, uh, he would, his dad sent him down, this, I'm like summarizing, I read this like 10 years ago, sends him down to like the docks, the harbors, to like, like trade, like sign, shine shoes and stuff or whatever. Well, Within a few weeks, he was so good at talking to, like, you know, sailors and stuff, they're like, hey, we want you to sell our products. And so he set up a little thing selling his products, right? By the time he was 16, he had his own ship, and he was sending stuff back and forth from um, Boston, I believe, Boston Harbor, all the way to England, back and forth, like spices, furs, like all sorts of stuff, back and forth, do commodities from America to the, to the old world, old world, you know, fur coats and shit, to the new world, right? And he was trading and buying and selling. He was one of the wealthiest people in the colonies during the American Revolution. And he had no education. And so he wrote a book called Self Made Men. And it's you know, and it's Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass's God, Frederick No, excuse me. Frederick Douglass's book is called Self Made Men and it's in reference to Benjamin Franklin's and I think it's like an old man to a young man is what the name of it is. I could send it to you. It's been years. But Frederick Douglass wrote this book called Self-Made Man. This guy is a slave. Yeah. Completely self-educated. One of the most literate, one of the most articulate, intelligent intellectuals of the 19th century. Of the whole world. Yeah. And he taught himself as a slave. You know, he used, like, the things he went through to learn how to read. You know, he would, like, see that and, like, ask somebody, like, do you know what that is? he'd be like, somebody's like, that's a three. That's 13. And he'd be like, that's a 13. And somebody's like, no, this is a 13. That's a B. And he's like, oh my God. And he'd be Go and find he'd steal a book from a master, and like circle every bee, like I know what the bees are. Yeah. You know, what I mean? and like he went it took him a long time. Yeah, so um So we're just kinda what's to kind get out of this.
0: So what I think when it comes to education, I think that the old way of doing things has definitely gotta go. I think that we need a a revamp in education, right a new way of doing it and kind of focusing every on every
1: textbook should be electronic and it should be free. Yeah. So it should be on an I I there should be like,
0: and we should a, we should a government entity should
1: consolidate it. should consolidate all like they should have like a panel of experts. That I mean, and I don't like any of this, by the way. I'm just saying like this is my world where we spin ourselves into destruction. Yeah. So in that world, education should be reformed like this. And I think I don't like telling people what to do. So me telling you this is a joke. Like I think people should make their own decisions, even children, you know, with the mm-hmm. go- governance of their parents. But let's say we go into this, you consolidate all essential literature of the human genome at this time, and the government rents it. The government pays a rent. Our taxes go to renting that, and it's in a cloud. And everybody has access all the time. Mm-hmm. And students carry a little iPad or even their cell phone to school. And, and they, they're given one at the beginning of the year. But are year. They
0: still going to schools? Is there still a No, I mean, maybe,
1: maybe we just do it all from fucking lectures online, you know, and then you take a test at home. Yeah. And it's like, and maybe, you know, and the school day goes from being, you know, eight hours a day to three hours a day at home. And it's like, and people will be, that's fucked up because, you know, who's going to watch the kids? Because what, you know, with inflation now women have to work, right? You know, in the fifties women didn't work, they stayed home and raised the kids and people were much healthier mentally because of it. But, or maybe the men could say, it doesn't matter who stays home. But the thing is, you can't do that in this scenario because the cost of living is so high. Everybody has to work nobody can afford babysitters. But what should have happened is, you know, let's say we only need one income to support a whole family, Right. Well then and, and we had the technology we do now. Well then the mother like turns on the screen, you know, for two hours a day, the kids learn, they take a test, and then she's like, Well, I'm free and they've got this disposable income, let's go see that. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. it should be interactive.
0: Yeah. Um, for sure. I think that I really think kids should be pushed or just let them do what they want to do. Let them do what they're passionate about and because you see kids who get really into building blocks. Right. And they're, they're what, like, six years old. Well, keep, let, keep letting them do building blocks. And by the time they're 12, you know, maybe they're working on bigger structures. If they have a inner drive to be an architect, then by the time they're 18, they can be a master architect. They'll be a master architect. Yeah, exactly what we're talking about. Instead of the situation we're in now where you're 18 years old getting out of high school, not knowing a damn thing about yourself or what you want to do because we've been stuck under this, this, uh, kind of conditioned program right and 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 then we end up being these lost adults throughout our 20s and we don't know what the fuck we're well, doing Well this is with this is life. the thing
1: why I don't like philosophers like all of this goes back to Plato right mm-hmm. this this idea that there's a few guys like you and me and we're smart enough to tell everybody else what they should do right and it's like that's how we got this system yeah because a philosopher guy uh, I mean in the case of public education, like, what's, uh, God, what's his name? I can't think of his name right now. I don't have, I don't have a phone with me. And I can't, like, <laughs> Google information yeah, yeah, yeah. really quickly. Um, God, I'll think of his name in a second. But he's kind of the guy who designed modern public education in the late 1800s. He was a socialist. Um, was wasn't more, it
0: kind of designed after factory work? There's um, a, there, there is the an New attribute system. of that.
1: It was really more designed around nationalism. Like, you need a a national identity, and that will keep – and it wasn't – as people think it was capitalist, it was really more socialist, because they thought to keep the socialist, you know, beehive buzzing, everybody needs to believe the same thing, everybody needs to know the same thing, everybody needs to have the same history, Um, and that's what made it all possible. So, you – and then the combination with the labor unions and all that, you create this cookie-cutter thing because there's a guy who thinks he knows best in 1890, how the child's brain develops. He thinks he knows best how society, like an idealized version of society, what it would really look like. I don't believe in that shit. Like like the Venus Project and all that, it's nice. But it's the same problem. It's like, no, the fundamental problem at the root of our society is that I think I know what's best for you. And you think you know what's best for me. And then we get in this fight because you don't want to do what I tell you and I don't want to do it. It's like, well, how about we don't know what's best for each other. Like values are fundamentally subjective. I can't tell you that you're an evil person because you like chocolate ice cream and I like chocolate chip. Like a lot of our preferences are innate. A lot of our preferences are chosen, but I can't, if you're not hurting me and I'm not hurting you, I can't tell you what your preferences in life should be. And I have no, I have no place to. Yeah. So when you design a system where a guy a hundred years ago, um, he decides It's not Henry Clay, but it's a student of Henry Clay. I'm thinking my mind all the way down. So you have Henry Clay, you have Hamilton, Henry Clay, uh, you have the American system, and there's this guy at the end of it who's responsible for public education. I can't think of his name right now. So you have you know, this guy's deciding for everybody what to do. Of course you're depressed. That guy did wasn't raised that way. He wasn't raised in his own system. And if he was raised anybody like, oh I fucked up. And he's using information that's, you know, at this point, a hundred and whatever years old. And it's, I, ju- I just don't like the idea that, like, that's why, like, I say this thing with, like, the inflation, like, printing all the money into this. Well, I don't fucking know. Obviously, we have, t- like, what I'm saying, if I look at the economy, we have too many college graduates. Yeah. Because then we don't have enough, we have fucking too many. And it's like, but people like Bernie Sanders, are like, but if everybody was college educated, and it's like, well, what would that accomplish? Are you going to make more jobs? Like, what if everybody goes, it's like uh, Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson were complaining there's not enough black people in Silicon Valley. But then if you look at the demographics of Silicon Valley, like, it's, like, so overpopulated with East Asian people. It's not that they're, like, racist and they only hire like white people. Not
0: white people either. Yeah,
1: it's like, well, there's a lot of white people, yeah, but, but it's disproportionate people. to, yeah. like, any other field. Yeah. But the reason is, like, well, how many black college graduates are getting degrees in computer science? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, if they're that's,
0: all... That's logically the, the way to look at it. I mean that's that's not what black people are going to school for, right? And I mean, and that's not racist. That's just what it is,
1: right? Well, I mean, racist. you could say maybe there's a set of circumstances in their environment, in their home life, in the way society treats them and views them that keeps them out of computer science. I'm all down with all that kind of yeah. thinking too. Yeah. But I think.
0: But if we're just looking at statistics, they're, they're not like, getting degrees in computer science, yeah.
1: you know. And it's and it's not because they can't. I mean, like there's man, I saw this kid who was like 12 the other day who works for Google. He's like a genius savant kid. I can't, you talk for a second. I gotta find this guy's name or I'm gonna have a seizure.
0: So um, w what I'm hearing from you is kind of, uh, you kind of have a nihilistic view on the way we should handle things right now in society or almost like anarchy. Uh, uh is that, do you think any of that would be beneficial instead of just fucking... I think, I, I, I think
1: you could probably try almost anything and it would be better than the system we're in. But then you say that and then you look at somewhere like Venezuela or you look at Nazi Germany or Soviet Russia, and you're like, well obviously that's a lot worse. Yeah. And then you look you look at the progression of history, which was like you know, serfdom, slavery, like God minoralism, mercantilism, and it's like obviously the system we happen to be in now is better than all the preceding ones. But it's not to say it's the best. And it's like, so, like, the level of discomfort you and I are complaining about is like, oh, I don't feel really good about myself when I get up in the morning. It's like, well, at least you can get up in the morning. It's like, everything has to be compared to what? Like, compared to an ideal standard? No. And it's like, I think that's why these conversations we're having. You know, I'll say this, and this, like, I want to validate what you're doing for you for a second, because this is really important to me. Do you know who the two most influential people in Western history are? Intellectually, uh,
0: no, I do not. Uh, Jesus Terence, Christ, Terence McKenna, no, no, no. no. <laughs> in, in Western history, in Western yeah, yeah, history, yeah, like yeah. from
1: the beginning of the Western era, right? Yeah. Jesus Christ yeah. and Socrates. Okay, how many books did Jesus Christ or Socrates write themselves?
0: None.
1: None. Yeah. Right. All they did was have conversations. Yeah. And it's like you know Repu- the Plato's Republic is the second most important book in the like considered in the Western Orthodox thought besides the Bible. Yeah. And it's like. Plato's Republic is about Socrates sitting down and having dinner with some friends with his dad. And the whole first part of the book is like he's asking his dad, because his dad's old, if he likes having sex. You know, it's just like so mundane. And then, like, it's like a podcast and it just develops and grows and evolves.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's kind of why I'm doing it. I mean, I think it's very important to have open conversation in this day and age more than ever when you got so much, so much, uh, people so many people taking sides and acting like fucking children like you look at the fucking uh the last election that we had it was like fucking two children on a sports team like the way they presented the the debates it was like a sports event you know they had all the the nice production and everything they they hosted it like a sports event and then you have these two children getting up pointing fingers at each other instead of talking I i didn't even
1: think it was that bad if you look at the uh, 2012 debate between Romney and Barack Obama, yeah. that one to me was actually worse. Actually worse because they were like they both left their podiums, and were circling each other like they were, like, in a <laughs> yeah, boxing match, yeah. I'm like Damn. almost shoving each other. I almost forgot. I thought about that, that was the fucking worst. Shit. Then, but here's what's crazy. This is how far we've degraded as a culture. The 2000, I think it's the 2000 presidential debate between George Bush and Al Gore. I was in sixth grade. And I remember watching it with my parents, and Al Gore at one point, because Bush was saying some shit that was totally not true, Al Gore stands up, just stands up, like they were both sitting, like, waiting on his turn, and he just stands up, like, kind of aggressively, yeah. and they said that played so badly with the pollsters that might have been part of the reason why he lost the election, besides all the, you know, philandering that happened in the Florida caucus, but that was one of the reasons he might have lost some votes, was because he looked too aggressive when he stood up to answer a question. While Bush was still talking, and it's like, then you flash forward, you know, another decade and a generation, and it's like, and you like literally, literally about to like fucking punch each other in the face, the president of the United States and possibly the president-elect if Romney had gotten elected, and it's like holy yeah. fucking shit, like what have yeah. we like devolved into?
0: Yeah, and that's that's I think that's why it's important for us to have conversations, uh, for for us to relearn what it's like to have open dialogue. And, and I think that our generation is doing pretty damn well. I I'm mean, listening I, to you. I, I think there's a, there's a, a side of our generation that's doing pretty damn good at it. But then there's a side of our generation that you see what's going on in like in Berkeley and all this, uh, liberal, you know. John Dewey. That's the motherfucker's <laughs> name. John Dewey. Look that fucker up. Alright, so, uh, and I mean, I think, uh, there's a lot of us who are coming to a point where we're just fed up with the old way that's not working anymore and um the fact that now we have so much access to information technologies and we can communicate all around the world and uh the fact that podcasts are blowing up and they're just they're just open-minded conversations without uh you know a, a production crew or uh or a producer behind your back saying, you can't say this, you can't talk about this stuff. Oh, this yeah, isn't it's, like it's anarchy, right? Yeah. It's, a, yeah. Free, yeah, it's it, a free
1: market. Yeah, and um, like, People are like, oh, I hate free markets. It's like, did, do you like the internet?
0: <laughs> but I, I even had a, a buddy uh, that I talked to on a podcast, and we are talking about flat earth. He believes flat earth. I don't, but right. we could can have... I show him
1: a mathematical equation <laughs> in 10 minutes, and then we could take, we could put a stick in the ground... Yeah. We could put the exact same stick and we could go like two miles yeah. and put it down on the ground and then we could tie a string. What
0: was that? Is Dostanese or what was it? Yeah, that? well, it's going to
1: go like this. And the thing is, you have you literally have to measure like over distance because of the curvature of the earth, even in a really flat plane. Because of the curvature of the earth, like if you try to build like a, you know, a hundred mile long gas pipeline and yeah. you don't, the aperture, right? Yeah, if you yeah. don't account for the aperture of yeah. the earth, I think it's the word. I don't know. I'm not a fucking geometry. <laughs> um if you don't account for that, the shit will not work. It'll break, you yeah. know, because it's, like, all this pressure where, yeah. like, and you, by the time you get to the middle, it'll be, like, this much, like, say you wanted this much dirt the whole way. If you do it in a straight line, there'll be this much fucking dirt, like, the pressure will be ridiculous and the yeah. gas line will break.
0: I mean, I I absolutely don't uh subscribe to the flat earth theory, but I think it's cool that the idea came back around. Right. I think it's good to challenge minds. Right. I think it's good that uh some people believe it and some don't, and... As long as we can have a conversation, I literally believe.
1: I literally believe that it was created on a Reddit forum, like a side yeah, off. Yeah, I think yeah. like somewhere in like a subreddit, yeah, someone was like, "Look, and um, I'll get my friend. He has like a PhD from a university that doesn't exist. Yeah, and this guy will talk about it." and then there's a few declassified, like, government documents because of the Freedom of Information Act yeah. that could lend themselves to this thing, like the fishbowl, you know, declassified, yeah. and then we could just stretch it all fucking out and put it up there and fucking people would believe it. And it was just
0: a big-ass sh- troll. Like, yeah, it was a
1: huge troll. Like, I really believe that. Yeah, I, I think so, too. But it's like I, we were talking earlier about the Z- Ziketa thing, which I can't talk too much about, but yeah. It's uh, like the same thing. It's like people trolling the interwebs.
0: Yeah, you know. so... um. I think we've, uh, gone past an hour. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I try I to keep these, I so. try to keep these things short. But, no, it's uh, we'll good, man. Pe- people don't
1: fucking listen anyways. You yeah, know, I mean, if people if have short attention spans.
0: Right. So, uh, and I completely understand that. Um, but, uh, we'll fucking do it again. You should man. like
1: one day, like do a bunch of shrooms and smoke DMT and then, <laughs> and then do this. Yeah, <laughs>
0: for sure. Uh, well, I appreciate you doing this, man. For us. Absolutely. Can I smoke a cigarette? Yeah. Stephen Kettner, everybody. Kettner, Kettner. Kettner, like Hitler. Roger right Hitler. But not